Local programming on KRWG made possible in part by viewers like you. Thank you. interesting developments in terms of our demographics in the United States that is leading to a changing America is just the whole shift of gender roles in our community. And what I mean by that precisely is that since 1989 there have been more ladies educated in the United States of America at higher education levels, college levels, since 1989 across all demographics. We've had this topic as conversation on our show before and one of the big critiques that we had, well, that the round table was all ladies. Well, it was kind of highlighting what was going on really in the community at a national level. But this time around, we actually have a pretty well-balanced table with a lot of research. In fact, uh, one of the most popular articles written on uh, Newstaco.com very recently was written by Dr. Joseph Viescas, an alumnus of the National Hispanic Institute, who also uh, headed up uh, the research efforts of the National Hispanic Institute not too long ago. He's now the head of the Villescas Research Media and Instruction. We have him with us today, Dr. Joseph Villescas. And we also have the president of the National Hispanic Institute, Ernesto Nieto, a uh, regular commentator here on Fronteras. Also to talk about it, because we've seen a little bit of the same ongoings within the National Hispanic Institute as an organization. Uh, more young ladies being identified as top-notch students. And then on the other side of the table, we have uh, Melissa Zambrano, who is a member of the Collegiate Leader Network from the University of Texas at El Paso and uh, Melissa was actually part of our first conversation on this subject and also we have joining us um, Carla Kuru and uh, Carla is also from the University of Texas at El Paso also a member of the Collegiate Leadership Network of the National Hispanic Institute big topic is are, are, are ladies now running the world and and Melissa the answer last time in our roundtable was Yes. You better believe it. Yep. We're coming up in the world. We're ready to take over. Um, <laughs> take over. Yeah. Like big, take big over. words. Carla, you agree? I do. Um, I, I just simple, like this example, in all of my classes that you took this semester, they were mostly women. And these were upper division courses. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were all women, maybe a handful of guys. So. What's going on? I mean, uh, Ernesto, you've, you've been around educational circles for a while. You have an organization that, that you've seen kind of develop over the years as having a similar phenomenon. In your opinion, what's going on? Um, I think they're right. Um, uh, I, I see, I, I don't see it as a competition. I don't, uh, pardon me. I, I, I don't <laughs> think it's a takeover, you know, like a hostile takeover. I think it's a long overdue process. And uh, I think what we're seeing is young women educating themselves in much larger numbers with much higher competency levels. I, we're seeing the male uh, who is not doing as well. I think we should talk about that as well. But I do believe that because of the phenomenon that's going on, uh, by mere Darwinistic selection, that's a crazy wow, word. Wow, that's, like, that's uh, pretty loaded, okay, actually. Uh, social Darwinism. I think what's going on is that women are emerging. Um, how they approach leadership 
in the Latino community, uh, I think is worth discussion. I, I think what beliefs they bring to the table is another arena, a, a part of the discussion. And I think how, how they perceive their roles and how to deal with the challenges that they're going to face uh, as leaders who are women uh, is worth another piece of the discussion. And I think we're go they're going to come up with some answers. I think all of us are going to come up with some answers, yeah. Joseph, you, you wrote an article on Newstaco.com. Uh, was pretty, pretty popular in terms of the readership that it got. Pretty controversial position that you kind of, kind of pointed to. Uh, some people would call it controversial. Explain what you found with some of your research and, and what kind of well, your... I mean, you, you were saying yourself, from 89, actually closer to 99 is when you uh, really began to see the, the turnover for the success rate for, for young ladies in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just on a macro level. What you have within the Latino community, though, is, is a very massive, just like within the African-American population, a very massive gender gap that got inverted uh, within the last 20 years. And how it's playing out, we only see it now on the graduate school level, on the undergraduate level. Particularly when I enrolled, there was 19 women and three uh, gentlemen in, in my cohort. And so in most graduate fields, those that go tend to have, uh, there's a higher rate now for, for women enrolling, but within the Latino community, it's very, very unlikely, particularly within the state of Texas, that Latino boys <clears throat> are going to go all the way within their education. And what we have right now is a critical mass that's forming of young Latinas who not only have advanced uh, education, but also have this generational push for them to do more uh, under, uh, under extraordinary circumstances and to pull off greater feats as entrepreneurs, as leaders. And this is something that stems on multiple generations, but it's only now where this environment has opened up. It leads to hyper-competition among Latinas within the United States, and at the same time, it positions them to be our future leadership base, but in competition with an international cadre of, of young men. And that's where I, I really do wonder, are we preparing our American Latinas for this global dynamic where they will go against male counterparts, unlike in the United States? Do you, do you think that as young ladies in college right now, pretty bright ones at that, do you feel that this is a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a great thing. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that women, when they take leadership positions, they're taking them for more personal reasons than men. I think men, not to bash on men, but a lot of men take jobs or careers or leadership positions for the money or for the title or for the recognition. And women have um, a belief system behind that. They have things that they're pushing for, like family, that they may not put out front, but that's just how we work. We're more connected with each other and with other people. But you know, <clears throat> when, I, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but um, <coughs> what I would take issue with is that... Is when, this a disagreement? No, no. What the, it this sounds is, like this, a no, disagreement. No, this is the part where I take issue with it, is that yeah. if there is this homogenous belief or this notion that, w like, that women leaders are, are going to do something in the same way, I just... I'm trying to understand whether or not that will lead to any type of change in the future. Like it, and that's what we had been talking about for a long time. I think a whole inversion of a, of a female leadership base happening within any community, the first question you have to ask is, will it be any different from the gender group that came before? Mm -hmm. And what I see right now is this is almost like a repeat of 40 years ago. And it's hyper-competition, individualism, and even though there's supposed to be a chassis of you know, com uh, uh, unity and collaboration, you see cutthroat. You know, in the same way that the early Chicano movement or any other uh, subgroup within within Latino population, you know, uh, countercultural or 
new dynamics emerging, it is the it is a repetition. At this table, you you you're probably the person that could. Is this what's going on in your opinion? You you were. I've told people that I was born at the same time that Abraham Lincoln was born, <laughs> and uh, uh, so I've been witness to things that I'm seeing, as he's saying, repeated over again. Uh, during the Chicano era, uh, there was a lot of conflict. Yeah, people were getting better positions, better education, going to college, doing all that stuff, right? Being mobile, I see the women doing it now. It used to be, it was a competition for jobs in government. Now it's a competition for jobs in corporate America. Uh, now it's a competition for elected positions. Um, but it's very similar dynamics about who's first and what are we fighting for. I, at NHI, the philosophy that we're endorsing is how does your development help impact Latino community life? Not how does your development prepare you for the war out there, but how does that prepare you to bolster our quality of life as Latinos? And what are the barriers that we're going to confront that together uh, we're going to have to do something about, i.e., what's going on with Latino male education, as an example. The, the first challenge that Latino leadership has to address is if this gender gap continues, the long-term uh, implications and, and, and really, you know, um, disarray that will unfold within our community as it triples. I mean, we have enough issues to address as a whole, but this was one of the perfect storm uh, factors that we talked we've about. We've talked in the past. about that on, yeah. So, with all the other things that are happening with rapid expansion, it is a new and untested and young leadership base that will enter this with only academic training as the tool to uh, interpret all these complexities within the United States and elsewhere. And I just don't feel that, even though we have the success within the educational system, that any of these educational models are going to prepare you directly for this. It's never been prioritized in that, and those degrees aren't intended for it. So how do you learn how to be the leaders of tomorrow? And how do you take on more challenges? Within the context of Latino yeah. community life, yeah. And, and, and that's where I think it is up to everyone, the, the elder women and the elder males and the younger folks all together, to prepare this new generation of leaders for an even uh, greater challenge ahead. I'm kind of curious, Melissa, you said it was a great thing. Carla, you kind of nodded your head, you know, and kind of said, mm, yeah. <laughs> Joseph and Ernesto are talking about a cannibalization of sorts that could be detrimental. Uh, are you in agreement? In, in not in agreement? I, I mean, these are some pretty big arguments that are being leveraged here. Um, I think that Ernie's right. I don't know. I don't think I'm in the midst of fighting for positions yet mm -hmm. to see exactly how the competition is or how cutthroat it is. But ideally, I'd like to think that with women as leaders, there'd be more solidarity, more compassion, I guess, more looking at changing lives instead of getting to the next position. But what I'm hearing from you guys is that it's not that way. It's more, it's still the competition, still the, still the, I'm just going to cut you down so I can get to this position. Well, well, what are the reasons why males aren't doing so well? Is it that, you know, women are more compassionate, more community oriented, and that's why they're choosing to go to college? Or there's no, they're the total opposite of those who are teaching the, the, the classroom. They're the, oh, yes. And, and that's the problem. Like, and, no, no, no. Well, I'm saying, like, <laughs> I want to hear this. Yeah, I kind of Joseph's idea is that because women teach no, 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 are no. teachers. There's a, no, okay. I want to hear her. Because the women are teachers, that's why girls have an advantage in classrooms. Uh -huh. Because I, I don't, the boys don't there, well, relate as well, or because the women a, are biased. There's a disconnect between those who become professional educators, 
in terms of gender and race uh -huh. than those who are in the lowest position in terms of performance, which are African-American boys and Latino boys. Uh -huh. It is easier to reward students that match your cultural profile and your pedagogy and everything else, and it takes more work to work with these this different type of male student. And over two or three decades of this. So you're suggesting that I'm suggesting the that there's a fast track. There's a, it's easy to identify Latino, lower performing Latino and African American boys in such a manner where you put a very massive population in remediation and that pushes them out of the system. That's deficit, very deficit based. No, but I'm saying that <laughs> it's empirically uh, valid. Well, uh, I, I, there's a there's I, a debate I, I, here. I want in on this one. Yeah, but I was going <laughs> to ask you. You see this kind of development at NHI over the course of time. I mean, you and I have had conversations on prior occasions on how. You know, NHI began with a particular mission, and over time, more and more ladies have been selected, identified, and participated in NHI programs, which NHI as an organization inherently selects the top brightest minds from seven yeah. countries. So does that mean uh, that there's an issue with Latino males? Let me first establish that I'm not talking against the holy grail, okay? <laughs> uh, I get a little upset that anytime there is a different opinion that the older women tend to think of it as a gender argument. Mm -hmm. uh, I care less about the gender argument from that point of view. I care about the gender argument from the standpoint of, yeah, women bring a different type of understanding of leadership that I believe is going to be highly beneficial mm -hmm. to the Latino community. Are they going to encounter similar dynamics, uh, similar competition issues as Joseph, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was, the other, the, um, uh, earlier in, in my career, I spent a lot of time dealing with young women who want to run for public office and help them understand how to defuse an argument that attacks them, okay? Rather than react, how do you defuse the argument effectively and cause the attention to kind of be driven towards the person asking the question. So I have a little bit of familiarity. My concern is, I believe to be to support his argument is that the preponderance of females in in education mm -hmm. has shifted the attention away from boys. At at one time, I mean, I'm 71 years old. Okay, I I, I was in a in Cohen Elementary School. I rarely saw a a woman in elementary. I'd see them a lot in junior high less, in high school even less. The reverse is true now. Probably uh, some males are seen in elementary, but it's spares. What does that mean to the identity formation of a person? What are the cues? I have seven granddaughters and one grandson, and I watch them play together, and the issue is always, please include Pablo, because the first thing they tell Pablo, you can't be admitted into our room. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a personal family yeah, thing with me. And Pablo walks away crying, and I get concerned that my granddaughters don't know anything bad by it. They share something in common. Mm -hmm. Why is it that they do that? Am I blaming women? No, I'm describing a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. I think that phenomenon is in the classroom. Unstated as it may be, unintended as it may be, I think it is contributing to the decline of the academic achievement of the Latino male. We already have a, a, an identification issue. A, a, a role issue. It's been confused now. We're no longer sure of what does it mean to be a Latino male. I would agree. Uh, and by that I mean I grasp. But that's not to attack. I grasp. No, yeah. I, I, I have, and this is part of what, going back to this article, 
that there was this notion of identity and leadership that wasn't male driven, it was patriarchy, you know, like just in, in essence. And it is a Cold War model that ended with the Cold War. And right at the same time as that, uh, as that identity had been, uh, you know, propagated, you have this shift, uh, and this is the era where we go to college. You have multiculturalism, you have a different type of inclusion model that, that all comes together. And there is no longer this, uh, and this you see, and any time is a microcosm of this larger phenomena, you don't see that, that aggressiveness or that leadership base or that volunteer rate or that extra commitment from the boys. You see it from the girls. You see it in every level. Exponentially. In every level, from the success in just get, making through the process of applying to having uh, self-direction throughout these programs, to taking on leadership roles, and then your last round table, to growing new elements of the organization. Is there a responsibility on now the ladies then to... That's what I was thinking. So if you're saying that this phenomenon is happening because, well, just naturally, obviously, and then so w boys aren't as successful academically or even afterwards because there's so many women in the classrooms, would it be our job as Latino female leaders of the of the future to kind of attack that problem and as because education is so vital and like such a basis of of where we come from and where we go after this would it be our job to kind of try to find a balance in the education system as to female and male teachers I'm, I'm going to try to give you a metaphor uh -huh. uh, it's not because it's a gender responsibility I, I want to make sure that that these are human okay, not experiences. Just for, okay, for all Latino yeah, these are just human Latino experiences uh, for people who want to be in leadership roles shaping societies. Mm -hmm. And you are in leadership roles shaping societies. And let's just say that's a truism. Mm -hmm. I was with the president of the Dominican Republic. And as we were talking, and I, I looked at him and I said, so how are you going to control the rise of your underclass in your country? Okay, and he looked at me in a very frank manner, and I said, because you, your, your work industry is primarily driven by tourism, right? And he said this, he said, all of our intellectuals are huge leadership, potential leaders, are in private schools, mm -hmm. and it represents a tiny slice of our society. The rest are out here trying to make it as taxi cab drivers, shoeshine people, working in department stores. Our country will never be able to attract major industry, okay? Mm -hmm. It will never be able to create wealth for itself because we don't have the intellectual wherewithal to take advantage of the opportunities. Right. I think that that's the same phenomenon that faces the Latino community. If we have only one facet of it, that's developed, but you have a much larger facet up here of underdeveloped people, then we're never going to make any progress. Then. The critical core of intellectuals, and if you want to say intellectual developed people, will profit. There's no doubt about mm -hmm. it. But at what expense? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a phenomenon you face as future leaders uh, because it's not as large. In my time, in the 60s, what was the percentage of Latinos? About 5%. You know, we were inconsequential. Yeah, you, you we know. have a huge gorilla out there today. Mm -hmm. You know, and how do you deal with that massive uh, developing population right. that's not only in the United States but is global? Mm -hmm. Just go to Brazil, just go to Mexico, just go any place, and you see the the impact of the underdeveloped. So, based on that, 
I mean, I, I, I agree. So looking at all of these phenomena, uh, all of this phenomena that's ongoing, we have future leaders at this table, current leaders at this table. Um, what's the starting point? I mean, if, if, if the consensus around the table uh, is that, okay, there, there is at least a mutual agreement in that males are falling behind, uh, kind of seen on some, in some aspects as a victory of sorts for, for ladies and what they've been able to achieve over the course of time, but then presenting significant obstacles for our future as been, has been articulated here, where do we jump from at this point? I think at this point it's it's much like what we've talked about before when when there was a change in the racial order of who's the largest and uh, Latinos kind of leaped beyond African American populations. It was like, oh, this is an incredible victory, but now we have tremendous responsibility. Although there's this, this heightened performance, believe it or not, it doesn't match the national average. So there's still a ways to go among Latina educational performance tremendously. And there's still a income disparity. And by the way, wow. as you look at this, uh, for the next 20 years of your development pursuing leadership, you're in competition with pre-existing male leaders. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's, you know, the it's switch has been, you know, yeah. there is a trend. Right. There's no more change. But yeah. what's fascinating though is that baby boomer generation of male uh, leaders within our community, in the end I see high, uh, a high level of investment in your generation of, of young ladies simply because there's a clear recognition that if the work that needs to get done is extraordinarily challenging and complex, that Latinas from our community have the wherewithal, the intellectual capacities, the care, and the devotion to focus on addressing issues in a manner that, that aren't myopic but are long-term in nature. Mm -hmm. And I see more uh, of, this, of this emerging leadership base that is being well prepared uh, for these challenges. Your thoughts? I just, it was discussed in the last panel, like this, um, this mind shift, I guess, and what like the gender role should be for a woman. I think that's what's caused this, this like new phenomenon, I guess, where women want to like keep, they've decided like, you know, I don't have to be married by 2021. I don't have to have children at that age. I can actually like, I can continue my education. I can go as far as I want and not have to be, you know, settled down mm -hmm. or whatnot. And I think the, like there's more and more of these like women, I guess, popping up across the spectrum of Latino education, female education, um, that's going to cause like a greater, I guess, um, enthusiasm for other Latinas and it's going to keep, you know, further, it's going to keep expanding, it's going to keep pushing them and I think we'll be able to take on those challenges, you know, we're, we'll be able to match the success of past male leaders. So I think um, seeing, you know, an example in your classrooms, you know, it, it kind of just gives you an extra push and I think it's going to con continue to expand and grow. But we are still a generation or two away where this concept of normal you know, of, of success and excellence and, and you know, uh, won't really be entrenched for another 20 years. Like where you are right now, or this generation of women, don't necessarily have the backing of a previous generation of women understanding the complexities and challenges that it means to go this road. So on top of your own journey, and this is something that I know we've talked about before, there is still, particularly within our cultural mode, an expectation for you to remain somewhat traditional. Not entirely, but there, there's, and you, you were just talking about this a moment ago, the, the, the challenge for any leader, male or female, is that life will get in the way of your own leadership. You know, like, I mean, the, you know, families will, will form, people will die, you know, there, there's things that we are always connected to, but I find it fascinating that this massive and growing professional base and entrepreneurs and, of, of leaders of young women are facing these particular uh, challenges for life decisions to be made at 25 or at 30 in such a way that does not uh, uh, bode well. I'm getting, I'm getting uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, very uncomfortable, and and the reason I'm getting uncomfortable 
and I've got to give you a personal story. Yeah. Um, I have a daughter with three children, right? Mm -hmm. And she's a leader in our organization. And yet I see the additional burdens that are being placed on her of, of being the, yeah, the provider of that, those kids, the education, uh, having to be at a meeting, carrying a child, you know, all those things. Uh, I think that part of the answer is going to be the re-education of the male. I think that we're going to have to be taught, uh, forget about sensitivity, about sharing in that responsibility in a much more profound way than we've ever thought of ourselves uh, uh, doing, uh, caring for, for, for our families in a very different way than the no, que la deja todo, you know, and, and that cannot work anymore. And so, yeah, we, we have some unlearning to do, a lot of unlearning as males. And I, having seven granddaughters, do I want them to be simply the caretakers? Absolutely not. The and woman is still seen as the homemaker and uh -huh. the primary caretaker of the children. And, and the man is like the one who brings home like, the money. Yeah, and even though it's getting to that point, it's still not a joint process. I brought up, I brought up the topic because I know that for NHI's Collegiate Leadership Network, it has been something that's been on the agenda, kind of a debate going back and forth between uh, the men and women uh, that are currently in college. And I know in one of our future shows, we're going to be having a roundtable discussion with uh, the men's side, uh, the men's response to this from NHI. Um, but it's also been something that NHI as an organization uh, has been kind of seeing develop. And uh, Joseph, you've certainly done significant research on it as well, uh, both for NHI and uh, on your own for your own research organization. Ernesto, what has been your response to it? It's at the last minute, but what has been your response to it as, as a national, international organization? That we have a lot of, you know, we've talked about the unlearning process. Um, and we've talked to people, you and I have, in, in the educational business. There is no simple solution to anything. We have to be able to ask the kinds of profound questions that illuminate new possibilities. And until we're able to do that, we're going to come up with simplistic uh, answers. You know, uh, in the 1990s, and I'll be very quick about this, uh, there was a, a concern over how many women were in leadership roles in NHI during our programs. And it was so simplistic as to be bothersome to me. I think we have a totally different generation of thought to give attention to. Folks, this is certainly one of the biggest discussions that our community is facing over the course of the next few years. And we're certainly going to try to continue to have this debate. Thank you for joining us this evening. For all of us here at Fronteras, I'm Hector H. Lopez. Have a good day.